Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes. And this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is drugs. Stories of horse tranquilizers, potent edibles, and one-night stands. J. Michael recounts the effects of ketamine... Chelsea Spirito learns how much is too much, and I become the hapless victim of a street con. But let's not dawdle. First up, Jay Michael. I haven't done a lot of drugs. I know you see this face and you're like, wow, drugs. <laughs> but it actually isn't my fault. I was denied drugs for most of my life. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I should have been on Adderall, uh, and my mom didn't want other moms to judge her, so uh, <laughs> I didn't get that. And then, um, and then when I was uh, like in high school, when everyone was doing pot, uh, I like to be like, I didn't get high from pot, but really, I always had trouble, and I still do with those lighter things. So like, the joint would come to me, and I'd be like, so good, man. And i just kind of like, <laughs> so I missed that one. And then... Uh, and then I went to a military school, and then was the military, so uh, they gave me monkeypox, um, which is, uh, if smallpox hits L.A., you're all fucked, and I'm okay, but, uh, but I couldn't really do drugs. Um, and, then, uh, and then I got out of the military, and, um, and uh, I didn't have any real desire uh, at this point. You know, I kind of, my life was at a point where I, I didn't really need it. I hadn't, like, developed sort of, like, this thing where I like people, a lot of my friends do pot to like relax, or it's like sort of part of their life. Like I just didn't have that. Uh, and then I went home, and my parents for Christmas um, gave me a mental evaluation. That was their Christmas gift. This is. Uh, it was. I went to a doctor for two weeks, and apparently this costs a ton of sh- shit, ton of money. And uh, and he like you take all these tests, and you build puzzles, and you do like, and it's like two weeks of testing, and then he gives you this whole breakdown of like how you process information and how you think and like all this stuff. And what he said was, how the fuck did you graduate college? You need Adderall. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so at this point, I, I was on my own medical plan. So I got Adderall. And, um, and I started taking it. And it was awesome because I could actually get work done and, you know, have a life. And the, and the military wasn't there anymore, so I kind of needed that. Um, but what that did do was it opened... Like, the, that was my gateway drug. <laughs> so, you know, because at first, I, you know, you take it and, and uh, because I need it, like, I don't get, like, crazy like other people do, but you definitely can feel it. Uh, and I'd get all this work done, and it was really productive. And then um, my friends would be like, oh, you have Adderall? Can, can I have some Adderall? And at first, I used to, like, just give it to them. And then, like, half a year later, I was like, what the? No, that's $10. Uh, <laughs> um so this isn't going on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the next thing that happened was um, I, uh, I w- was dating this guy in San Francisco, and he was like, we're going to Coachella. And I was like, okay. So we went to Coachella, and, uh, and we met another friend there, and he was like, hey, let's um, I'll do uh, E. And I had never done it, and I was in the military more, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah. Uh, so we did E, and I spent the whole night um, shirtless and being like, I don't feel anything, man. I really don't think I'm high. I mean, this is, what are you supposed to feel? I mean, does someone feel something? I don't feel anything. I mean, this is crazy. Oh, my God, that girl is really pretty. You know, no, I really don't feel anything. And, um, and until they just left me, and then I just danced and talked to whoever was around me for, like, all night. Uh, uh, but the next morning, I was like, E is 
it's pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, and so, so I would do that very rarely, but every once in a while. And then, uh, and then I came back to LA and I moved in um, with these, uh, with these uh, two guys. They're, they were like together and I was like the roommate and I didn't realize at the time I thought like Craigslist, what, what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> and they, uh, they're what you're, they like, they're referred to like, uh, I, I don't know if people are gay here, but they refer to as gym bunnies or circuit queens. Um, they're basically giant ripped dudes uh, who go to circuit parties, which I d- have never been. Uh, but they would take all these steroids. Like um, I remember, they were like around Christmas a couple years ago. They were going on like some gay cruise, and um, our house looked like the wire of the Christmas special. There was just like needles everywhere. It was uh, so anyway. They, uh, uh, so, you know, so, so I, I like, I, like, I, like, decided at that point, like, to make a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything that I can't control, and, um, I'm not going to ever, like, shoot myself with anything, like, with the needle. And I, like, I tried to make it like it was this moral stand, but really it's like, I have to be in control. I, I, I don't like not having control of things. And, um, I'm scared of needles unless I'm drunk because, like, in the military, we'd be, like, super wasted and come home, and it'd be, like, 5 a.m., we have training, and I would IV myself and other people and go to sleep. So when I'm drunk, I can, like, just stick needles in like there's no tomorrow, but any other time, they freak me out. Uh, So I I was living with these two guys, and I was dating this guy in San Francisco, and... um, and I had, like, not really done anything besides Eve, you know, and, and even that, not that much. And we go up to San Francisco uh, for New Year's. And I tell my roommates this, and they're like, oh, guess what? Like, our friend is throwing this giant house party in San Francisco. Why don't you guys come? And I was like, that's great. Like, we don't, you know, it'd be fun. So I'm in San Francisco, and we go to this house party. And I'm just hanging out at the house party. And it's like they cleared out, like, this whole huge room. And people are, like, dancing. And... Um, people are doing drugs, and I, I'm not doing drugs. I'm just like kind of dancing and listening to music. And my roommate comes up to me, and he's like, "Hey, man, do you want this?" And I was like, "What is it?" He's like, "It's it's E." And it was this little like gun that you like stick in your nose and like shoot. And I was like, "I don't think you do E in a gun." And he's like, no. <laughs> "He's like, no, 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 it's K, but it's cool, man, it's cool." Okay, since you all only do pot, apparently, K is a horse tranquilizer. And I stuck it and shot it in my nose. And it was awesome. <laughs> like, the, like, the lights were better. The music was better. People I didn't like were, all, like, fun. Like, I was just, I was having a blast. And so about 30 minutes later, my roommate came back. He's like, do you want to do it again? I was like, yes, I want to do it again. <laughs> and so I shot another thing in my nose. And that burns like a bitch, but it was going to be worth it. And then um, I thought I had robot legs. <laughs> I thought I had robot legs, uh, but only the bottom half. And um, I was convinced that everyone was leaving the party, but I couldn't leave because I had robot legs. <laughs> and I was really thirsty. And whenever they had lights in this house, whenever the lights turned yellow, I could move. But any other time, I couldn't move. <laughs> so it was a little bit like yellow lights. Nope. Yellow lights. Like, and it, was like, it was like this. Um, and uh, so that went on, and then uh, and I, I became convinced that uh, that Dare had fucked me up. I became convinced that I was going to be like the new guy in that video, you know, when you're a kid, where they're like, this kid did it once. <laughs> Look at him. Uh, and I was like, God, my mom is going to kill me, because I don't know why I cared at that point. Uh, and so uh, I, probably about an hour or so goes by. Honestly, I have no idea. 
uh, and then all of a sudden uh, it was done. Like it wasn't like a gradual come out of it. Like I was just not high anymore, and I felt really high, like happy high that I didn't have robot legs. And then I was like, I should probably find out where the hell my boyfriend is. Um, and so I walk outside, and he's standing outside with this cup, and he's like. I look at him, and I was like, oh, shit. And he goes, it's a magic cup. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, it just keeps filling up with booze. <clears throat> it was torrentially downpouring, and he had been drinking rainwater for two and a half hours. <laughs> and that was the last time I did K. Next up, Chelsea Spirito. Up until recently, I was not a big drug user. And now that my foot is broken, I am a walking pharmacy. Go ahead and see me after the show. I have every pill that you could possibly want right now. Um, My boyfriend, Chris, the same one that was trying to uh, purchase Kevin for the night. We Both of us hadn't done a whole lot of drugs beyond drinking, smoking pot every now and then. And... We decided that together we were going to dip our toe into the experimental waters, per se. And starting out low, we, we had a friend who had a roommate who was a baker by profession. And on the side, she would make pastry edibles, sell for extra money. And the two of us, you know, having not had a whole lot of experience, were super excited about this. Can you get us, can you get us some of those edibles? Is that, cool? is, that, is that a thing? <laughs> we're trying to be really slick about it. So the roommate procures... Four small mini muffins, about like yay big. And we're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, this is, it's a body high? I've never had a bu-. And so we get them Saturday night, and by Sunday, we are itching to try these. Um, and, a, and a quick, quick side note if you've ever done edibles before, the rule of thumb is if you don't know how strong it is, take half. <laughs> Take half and wait a half an hour before you even think about taking another piece. We were not informed of this rule. <laughs> so each of us eat a full mini muffin and we're getting ready to go out that night. We had two endeavors that we, two places we needed to stop. So we eat a muffin and we're getting ready and suddenly I, it dawns upon me, God, these muffins are really small. I, I think we could probably eat another one and be fine. Like how... How strong could these mini muffins be? They're mini. They're mini after all. So Chris is, Chris is absolutely into this, this idea. Like, yeah, we could be just high the whole night. Like, it'll make the whole night better. We will just be high the entire time. So we eat the second muffin. We complete the four that we've been given. We get in the car. And we pick up some fast food. And 15 minutes into the drive, I'm, I'm sitting there in the passenger seat. And I, I look over and I go, God, I... I think I'm feeling that body high. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit good right now. And Chris, who's just over six feet and considerably stockier than me, he's not feeling anything. He goes, that's really weird. Usually kind of, you know, I smoke pot. It hits me really fast. And then I proceed to black out <laughs> for the next 45 minutes. Cut to me waking up on the, one t- on the 10 West Freeway going 35 miles an hour in the slow lane where my once calm driver is now panicking, sweating, and clinging to the steering wheel. He thinks we are in the Back to the Future car. And we are about to hit 88 miles an hour. And I turn to him in a, in a fog state, and I go, Chris, why are you, 
why are you driving so slow? <laughs> At least that's what I thought I said. Um, <laughs> to which he replies, I were speeding and we're going to be late. I forgot to add, we weren't just going to friends' houses that evening. We weren't just going to a movie. We weren't on a date. Chris and I were driving to meet a couple friend, Alex and Gina, to teach them their wedding dance. (laughs) We offered to choreograph and teach them the entire routine to a three and a half minute song. (laughs) Following that teacher-student back and forth, we were supposed to attend the final dress rehearsal of a theatrical production that we were involved in. Why we thought being high would make it better, I don't know. I really don't. To say that we were high before would just be an excuse. So we finally make it to the house. They're in downtown L.A. And we make it right out front. Thank God in one piece. It took Chris 24 points to park the car. (laughs) And it was not a parallel parking spot. He thinks he's fine. He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm, I'm totally sober. I don't know what you're talking about. I, on the other hand, I'm kind of in between. I'm trying to convince myself that this is as high as I'm going to be. Kind of floaty, kind of, kind of feeling okay. Until I open the car door and my legs don't work. And I proceed to tumble into the grass where I contemplate staying for a couple seconds. And I hop back up and now I'm kind of matching Chris's mentality. You know, I'm okay, I'm fine. This is, as high, this is as good as it's going to get. This is bad. This is bad, but it's going to be okay. And we walk to the, the house. We're silently pepping each other up. Like, we're fine. We're totally sober. It's, this is as good as it's going to get. And we get to the house, and we open the door, and we're psyching ourselves up. And the first words out of my mouth are, I am so high right now. I don't know what to do. And Alex, the, the gentleman who has opened the door, he, thankfully him and his wife had been around the block a couple times, and he laughs it off and he lets me in. And still trying to play it off after such a bold statement. And I slip my shoes off and I set the purse down and proceed to collapse on the wood floor completely. Not once, but twice. I don't remember this. I wake up in the guest bedroom feeling like I'm going to die my whole body has gone numb as if I've fallen asleep, you know, as if you sleep on your arm. Everything's tingly, and my, I can't hear as if I've been in front of a speaker at a Rush concert all night. I can't tell if I've taken my contacts out or if I just can't see anymore. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Meanwhile, Chris is still trying to save face and teach them the dance. <laughs> And I wasn't there, but from what I was told, it, it went a lot like one, two, three. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I woke up later on to, to Chris passed out with me in the guest bedroom. We'd missed the rehearsal. We were going to stay there for the night. And he was convinced, oh, I was fine. I was just tired. It was just, you know, it was comforting you. And in the end, I wish, I wish this story ended with me saying, I'll never do drugs again. But really, what I've taken from it is... Quantity really makes the difference between having a good time and feeling like you're going to die. (laughs) It's all about quantity. And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. I tell the first part of this story because I think it is necessary to illustrate the mood I was in, which led me to the predicament I found myself in in the second part of the story. In 2004, 
I had a one night stand. What? I met a woman one afternoon. We hit it off great. She said, do you want to go to Crate and Barrel with me? And I said, yes, I'd love to go to Crate and Barrel with you. <laughs> so we did. And then she said, do you want to come back to my house and have some weed and wine? And I said, yes, that's exactly what I want to do next. And then later when we went to her downtown high-rise apartment in Chicago, Illinois, we're standing out on her balcony and she says my favorite line anyone has ever said to me, do you want to see my episode of Eliminate? Yes. Yes, I do. And she showed me. It was one of those situations where her and her girlfriend went down uh, and uh, she auditioned on a lark and she got bamboozled into it. And the next thing she knew, she was on the show. So she gave me one of those, like, I'm not really supposed to be on this. Uh, but, she, but as she confessed to me, she ended up winning it and sleeping with that guy for a few weeks. And then they, they fizzled out. But point being... She said, do you want to see my episode of Eliminate? So, yes. And then she showed me it. And the, if those of you who do not know what Eliminate is, uh, the way it's listed on IMDb, one lucky single goes out with four eligible suitors, dot, 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 at the same time. <laughs> so you're going out with four people, and then each of those four people are required to fight and be mean to each other. And uh, this girl was not necessarily mean and didn't really want to fight, so uh, she was telling me that she had to be goaded into saying mean things into the camera. And she didn't want to say anything bad about these women that she was with, but she was compelled and she was forced to. So, and for one of the women, she said, well, I guess she could use a tan. So they cut out the I guess and just edited it in with, she could use a tan. So that was her insult to someone who did not deserve an insult. So... We watched that Eliminate. We have our adult situation, which made it from a PG-13 to an R. And then, uh, and then after it goes comically awry, it's time for me to go home. So I make my way outside, uh, and I'm on State Street, which is uh, smack dab in the center of downtown. And I am in a really good mood. I have this post-coital glee that the world, I'm seeing it as if I'm on K. <laughs> walking down the street, smile on my face. I'm walking down on State Street towards Grand, and there's an L stop right there, but there's also right there a restaurant that I used to work at and still kind of high and elated from my time having my beast with two backs. Uh, I decided I'm going to go in there and visit those people. Uh, and then I'm walking down the street, big smile on my face, and this uh, Dickensian-like street urchin walks up to me and uh, he smiles at me as I uh, walk by and I, I smile back and I say, hey, how you doing? And then immediately he turns around and starts walking in step with me. So at this point he says, uh, hey man, you like weed? Me, still in my glee. Yes! Yes, I do. <laughs> and because I'm one of those uh, douche holes that when they come back from Amsterdam, love telling everyone that they just were in Amsterdam. So I tell him, oh, man, you don't know weed. I know weed now. Uh, I found this one strain there that I love so very much called White Widow. And uh, the joke I used to always make about it uh, was, she just lost a husband, but she knows how to party. So I told him about White Widow, and he goes, oh, that stuff's stupid. I got this stuff that's fantastic. I said, oh, well, I'd love to see it. He goes, I can't show you here. Um, you want to buy some? 
And once again, gleeful, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and he said, okay, we can't do it here. Uh, okay, um, I know this place. This, this restaurant I used to work at, I know we can walk right to the second floor and no one will see us and we can go up to uh, the top floor and uh, we can do our transaction there. And uh, he says, great, let's do that. So we start walking. We continue talking about Amsterdam and weed and such. And then we get up the stairs. There's an ATM that was going to pull out money for it. And then right as we get up there, we're secluded by ourselves. I suddenly don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I completely chicken out and I tell him, you know what? Um, I really don't want to. I don't want to buy this. Thank you very much, though. I appreciate your time. And um, he says, no, nah, man. you got to. One of my associates is outside, and he is waiting. And if I come out and I don't give him the right signal, he's going to come in here and he's going to beat the shit out of you. Now, I have no choice except to believe this street urchin. <laughs> so as I'm standing at the ATM and him hovering over me, I pull out my $60, and he says, okay. Um, hey man, I, I, I'm going to walk into one of the bathroom stalls and I'm going to uh, get your bag ready for you. This is really good stuff. You're going to love it. Oh, that's okay, great. He goes, oh man, you know what? Uh, for later, can I bum a cigarette? And I said, yeah. And I, I gave him a cigarette. And then he goes, and then I'm standing up there, I'm freaking. I got flop sweat on me, just wondering, oh my God, are these uh, friends of mine, old employees that I know, are they going to come up here and see me and I got to explain what I'm doing? Uh, and then he comes out and uh, he hands me a bag. And then he walks out and he goes, okay, I'm going to give him the signal. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I said, thanks. And then he walks out and I'm standing up there and I'm, I'm kind of shaking because this was a stupid choice, a very dumb choice on my part. And then I reach in my pocket because, so what? I got weed out of it. And I open it up. He had taken the cigarette that I had given him and taken all of the tobacco out of it, put it in a bag, and sold it to me for $60. But like I said, this was my fault. I walked into this. So I cannot say anything bad about him. But I will say this. He sure could use a tan. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Jay Michael and Chelsea Spirito. Also thanks to Jason McNichols, Mark Warzeka the Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Cause It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. The more comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes, plus it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Cause It's True is every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood, located on historic and reprehensible Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. Receive this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.